Filmmaker Jennifer Fox's intriguing film The Tale details her childhood sexual abuse. But it's the way the story is told that makes it an important film to watch. It airs on Mnet on Monday the 6th of August and raises important questions around late disclosure. Jennifer, what a beautiful film uh, from a cinematic point of view, uh, but from a, a, rights, a child rights point of view. But what a painful film uh, it was to watch. I, I can't imagine what it must have been like to revisit this and make this movie about your own life. You know, it's interesting. It was incredibly empowering to be able to investigate my memory and the event. For me, it's a great privilege to use art to transform stories and to bring it to the world. So I wouldn't call it painful. I would call it exciting. Mm -hmm. You know, fantastic, uh, a way to really renew my vision of what happened. It's an interesting way, not just of your renewing that vision, but of the audience renewing its own beliefs and, and its, its, its own preconceived notions mm-hmm. about what happens to children mm-hmm. and about how aware adults are mm-hmm. of this kind of abuse. I mean, how much are you hoping it's going to be a tool for that kind of conversation? Well, I think everyone, unfortunately, sees the taboo of child sexual abuse in black and white terms. The reality is it's incredibly complex and nuanced. And until we begin to open up the dialogue about that complexity and nuance, we won't really be able to even begin to prevent or to help survivors. So my hope is that this is a very internal story. It's a memoir. It's my story. But it's told from within my adult point of view, but also from the diaries and the writings that I wrote as a child about the event. So you're really taken inside the world of a 13-year-old girl as she's basically groomed and inducted into a sexual relationship with a coach. And I think this gives... parents, educators, uh, uh, lawmakers, a way to understand for the first time how this happens, how subtle it is, how um, different it is than our preconceived notions. And if we understand that, maybe we can prevent it. What amazes me is, is the way you as an adult, or Laura Dern playing you as an adult, comes to the realization that she was abused because perhaps perhaps that that realization was unconscious on some level but but it takes the finding of that school essay mm-hmm. for for your mother and somehow for you to realize that you were actually abused that you were not in a love relationship that you were in a, in a relationship of of rape and child sexual abuse I don't call it rape, and only for this reason, even though technically in the United States it's statutory rape. I think we need to be very careful with language. The difference between child sexual abuse and rape is that there isn't overt violence. There's coercion, and there's manipulation that makes the child concede to something that is intolerable. So we should be careful with definition, first of all. Um, what's really interesting, again, the film is based, it's a fiction film starring Laura Dern and Calm and Ellen Burstyn, uh, Elizabeth Debicki, but it's based on my memoir. And what's yes. really interesting is that it took me till I was 45 years old to ever use the word sexual abuse on myself. And here I am, this outspoken documentary filmmaker for 30 years, and yet 
the reality is a part of me couldn't tolerate the idea that I had been a victim. And so I always told myself this story, oh, I had a relationship when I was 13 with my coach or with an older man. And I never saw until 45 even use the word child sexual abuse on myself. Are you saying that if your mother had not found that essay and recounted its contents to you, that that you would not have, have given this any consideration, that this would not have ended up being in your mind an example of, of sexual abuse? Well, the, in real life, the essay was only part of it. In real life, I was actually making a film about women right. around the world, and there's some clips in it, even some of South African women mm-hmm. that are in the tale. Yes. And in making that film, which was not about abuse or violence, it was actually about sexual freedom, mm-hmm. um, I heard so many stories of sexual abuse and like every second woman and I was in shock. And it didn't matter class, nationality, color. These stories were everywhere and I was traveling around the world talking to women and suddenly I heard my story told by other women and it it was, their story sounded just like the same structure of what had happened to me. Hmm. And so suddenly, I couldn't hold this idea of relationship in one, and there was like this kismic shift. And all of a sudden, it was like, it's sexual abuse. Oh my God, I've been denying that all these years. And in that moment, I also understood that the reason I had denied it is because to be a victim as a child, that that lack of agency, that admitting that I had been manipulated would have destroyed me. So what I did was I said, no, you know, I'm the hero of this story. Yes. And I used it to make me stronger. And that is not a bad thing, what I did. Yeah. It's it's actually a positive uh, survival technique. And the film is very much about the stories we tell each other, ourselves, to survive. There are a couple of interesting comments that you've just made that I, I want to, to drill down to. But the first one is about childhood perception. It reminded me watching it as an adult of how our perception grows and changes over the years and how we take for granted as adults that we have the vocabulary, that we own the vocabulary to tell stories of sexual abuse. You are reminded in the film as, as, a, as a viewer that, that really as a child you don't you don't own that vocabulary. You don't have a, a world, a, 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 a way into that world of describing what's happened to you, do you? I think that's a really good point. That um, as a child, when these things happen, you don't have language. Now, especially also when I was sexually abused, I was ni- it was nineteen seventy three, and nobody even talked about it. Yeah. Um, and it certainly didn't happen in the affluent white suburbs where I grew up. So there wasn't language at all. But also um, what it is, too, is that I per- I basically preferred one narrative over the other. So in any given moment, let's say, there are multiple narratives going on. And my perception is that Reality is very thick, and multiple narratives can exist simultaneously. So on the one hand, as a 13-year-old, I felt loved by this coach. I felt appreciated. I felt listened to. I felt special. Yeah. 
he used that to get me to concede to a sexual transaction. So on the other hand, he abused my trust mm. and my body. And the reality is, is that both things are true. And we have to accept as adults that kids can love an abuser. And right. it's still sexual abuse. Mm. And it still has to be stopped. But that these complex feelings can exist within a child of somebody who's hurting them. And that, of course, takes us to the point as well that during that process of abuse, the, the body is programmed to biologically respond in a particular way. And, and often victims, especially young victims who are aroused, carry a, a certain kind of shame with them that, that is associated with having willingly participated, even though they may not have. I think we have to be clear that there is no one reaction to child sexual abuse. Yeah. And like my story isn't the story, but another story isn't either. either. I myself was not feeling aroused. I myself, my body shut down, it became rigid. I vomited after every event. Mm -hmm. I tolerated it as an exchange for love. Yes. And, and, and feeling important. And for, in fact, I saw it as a right to adulthood. Like, who wants to be a child? Children are just pushed around by adults and not listened to. I'm going to grow up. I'm going to grow up now. And if this is the way to grow up, so be it. Mm -hmm. even if it hurts. So that was me. I've definitely heard many accounts of adults who talk about as a child being abused and feeling aroused and feeling shame around that. Mm -hmm. For me, if I want to unpack it now, there is a kind of death that happens when you're sexually abused. And I think probably the universal thing would be that you will feel shame because you've been tricked by someone you trust. Mm -hmm. And how stupid of you is that? Yeah. So something in that realm, for me, is where the shame is. For somebody else, it could be something different. But your basic sense of trust of other people is totally like with an atomic bomb blown away. There was something you said on Monday night at the screening that that really struck me as being entirely an entirely new thought because I it had never crossed my mind before. We're working so hard as part of this uh, Men and Women Against Child Abuse campaign to to get children to speak about uh, their feelings, to speak about what has happened to them. That didn't happen with you, um, and and yet you honour the process of only finding out later and not being painted as a child victim. Mm. You know, through my own experience, I, I as waking up at 45 to realize I was abused, I understand why this is a very common experience. A lot of people don't actually speak up until their middle age. What I understood for me is that it wasn't until that moment that I had the ego strength as a, as a kind of solid adult, yeah. to be able to admit to myself that I had been manipulated and abused. In realizing that, I understood that memory is and storytelling is protective. That the child me told this story to myself, I'm a hero, yeah. this was my choice, 
I, 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 I'm better. I feel loved. She told herself that story to survive. And she kept that story alive and created this outward adult who goes around the world, which is what I do in film and all this, this very, quote-unquote, courageous person. Yes. That story was very important. And it's important that we respect children's need to tell themselves whatever story it is and not push them and steal and take away what they need to prop themselves up to go on and survive. Ultimately, the most important thing is survival. Mm -hmm. And if you need one story to survive, we need to respect that. No one should be forced to recount before they are ready. Mm. There is no rule that you have to talk about abuse until you are ready. And we need to be very careful that we don't push kids beyond what they can tolerate psychologically. Because no matter what, we will we are bumbling adults. Yeah. You know, we cannot understand everything. So we have to really respect people's defenses. Defenses are there precisely to protect. Now, of course, on the second hand, we want to stop perpetrators. And that's where this gets very complex. Yeah. Because if, if a child's been abused by someone, it m is possible that that person will abuse again, and we don't want that to happen. <laughs> so we have to be incredibly careful with how we talk to the child, how we treat them, the words we use. I don't use the word victim. I would never use it with a child. Because the word, the language victim, can victimize. Yes. If you see yourself as a victim, you are crumbling and destroyed and on the floor. If you see yourself as a hero, if you see yourself as a survivor, you're going up towards the light. You can accomplish things. Most people who've been sexually abused are survivors. Mm -hmm. Most of them, you don't even know who they are because they're out there in the world. They have families. They have jobs. Yes. They are functioning. So it doesn't mean they weren't hurt, but they are also surviving. And we have to celebrate that narrative, not just the negative narrative. Am I making sense? You, you, you completely are. Because, because in a manner of speaking, in trying to get children speaking about their, their childhood abuse, there is a stigma that could accompany that into life, into their adult lives. There's a stigma outwardly with other people, and there's a stigma inwardly. They have labeled themselves a victim, and that is the worst thing you can do psychologically to yourself. How do you, how do you build this, how do you achieve this balance? On the one hand, we need to educate children and protect them um, from, from this kind of sexual abuse, and yet we need to build resilient human beings at mm -hmm. the same time who are not afraid of living their lives and being being free yeah as you mentioned earlier you know this is the big conundrum how do you build resilience and some of it people some people are born more resilient just in their soul and the other thing is some people have better social networks and family systems which helps them to be resilient I can say that one of the things I did get from my family is they taught me to be very tough. Yes. And tough means that life is hard. Bad things do happen to people that we can't control. The other thing I really like to say is that 
just because something happens to your child doesn't mean you're a bad parent. You can be doing everything you can in the world, and sometimes bad things happen. Mm -hmm. The real key is are you there on the other side to help them get up? So in the same way, we have to think our kids will fall down. Let them fall down and teach them that they have to push through and be strong. I know that's a weird thing, but... I'm a woman, but there are some very good masculine values that we can learn from men. And sorry to divide into gender, but m boys are always taught, well, if you fall down, don't cry. Yes. Of course, I believe in crying, but I do believe get up, mm -hmm. go forward. And I had some very strong training that, you know, you have to go through obstacles and keep going. I, I think um, that's one of the things. We shouldn't teach our kids that life should be perfect. We should teach our kids that life will have tons of obstacles. Yes. And that you need to push through them in whatever manner it takes and also get support, that you need to ask your parents, that you may need to ask a counselor, that you need to talk to teachers. Like, by any means necessary, do what it takes to to help you survive and go forward. To get back to the film, Jennifer, because obviously that is the, the real focus and, and the hook for our conversation today. Many people are going to wonder from watching the film whether you were ever able to confront your perpetrators. Mm -hmm. Did that happen? Um, in making the tale to write the script, I met my perpetrators, um, the female coach, several times. and. The male coach, we talked on the phone several times, and then we did meet. And on both of them, I did a lot of research. So confronting, I would not say I did that because that actually wasn't my goal. My goal was to understand how and why this happened and why two very successful, attractive adults would want to have anything to do with a little 13-year-old girl who looked like a 9-year-old boy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, what is the attraction there? So... Um, neither of them would talk directly about it, but in meeting them again and understanding more of their personal childhood history, it made me suspect quite clearly with both of them that they both had abuse histories. When you look at the, the film and, and the number of women who collude in one way or the other along the way in your abuse, either ignoring the signals or, or actively doing what the character Mrs. G does, it, it disappointed me as a woman to see how many women participated in your suffering as a child. I'm not disappointed. Women, our gender, has lived through so much trauma for centuries and centuries, and we have been taught to swallow it. We have been taught to swim around these, you know, whale men who are, are calling the shots and dominating and controlling and abusing and survive. And most women are adept at functioning in a male-dominated world. So my mother was controlled by my father. So despite she had suspicions, he squashed them. That happens in every culture mm -hmm. because the man is making the money yes. and the woman is dominated. Uh, Mrs. G was probably sexually abused herself, so her boundaries were totally exploded, and she was trying to hold on to this very attractive man. So she serviced his wishes. 
that happens all the time too. So we have to look at the fact that women are living in a river of um, gender problems that we have to kind of bring to the surface and talk about so that we speak up, so that we're no longer dominated and abused in a bigger picture in society. Does that make sense? Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for sharing all of your wisdom with us, not just in your film, but in person today, Jennifer Fox. It is a beautiful film, The Tale, and we strongly recommend that our listeners go and see it. Thank you so much. Thank you.